0: Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, exciting show for you today. It is Thursday, Thursday. Uh, that means we continue our expert series, and we bring Jonathan Twomley back to the show. How you doing, Jonathan?
1: Hey, I'm great, Michael. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. So, um, you know, we you, you're a big time player in the in the multifamily space. Uh, you you sort of got out at the top, uh, which we've talked about many times. What I thought we would do on today's show is we now have about a month of data, right? We have April, March is muddy, right? Two weeks were good, two weeks were bad. April now is is a bunch of data, and I think we can start making some. Educated guesses, maybe, on some trends that we see coming, both in multifamily, uh, single family, office, retail, um, because I think, you know, part of our job is to play the chessboard so that we can kind of play in this game. So uh, any kind of trends jump at you right away that you've seen from April?
1: Well, so unemployment obviously is horrible, Mm -hmm. you know, with with almost 15% unemployment uh however we have this enormous stimulus and a lot of the money has gotten out so multifamily collections have been strong and st- they were strong through april it came in at about 96% of normal which is very good mm-hmm. uh and also you know that was the data that was collected across the country by by uh, uh costar i believe but mm-hmm. also just talk- talking with other multifamily owners their collections were good um and consistent with that overall data. In May, it's also looking strong so far. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Through the first two weeks, we had about 80% collections and that's running um, slightly behind last year, about 2% behind last year at the same time. Mm -hmm. So again, it's strong. So clearly, either people have, you know, a cushion that they're drawing on or the the unemployment money has gotten to them uh, or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So they're still continuing to pay their rent, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's still too early, really, to say, though, what this, what this means for a couple of reasons. Because, one, we don't really know. You know, even with states reopening, mm-hmm. right, then large parts of New York State are reopening uh, tomorrow, I believe, yep, tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow, uh, which yep. Is, which is great news. Uh, the city is going to reopen starting, I think, June 6th. So mm. we've just got a few more weeks. That, that we've definitely flattened the curve, and it's it's declining, which is great. You know, I mean, just I'll tell you, I when this first st- broke, I was hearing sirens all night long uh, from ambulances, mm. and now that's just it's just dropped down to the you know the normal. Oh, that's good. Sirens and stuff, which is which is good. So so we're about to reopen, but the thing is, then what, right? How so reopening, yes, but what does that really mean? Like, our Restaurants, I don't believe, are gonna snap back to where they were, right? And even if they let them open, they're not even gonna let them open fully anyway, mm-hmm. right? It's gonna be partial opening, it's gonna be spaced out. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be different. So I think that there is going to be a, a significant economic impact even once we reopen. And then, you know, we still don't know if, People once there is a reopening, if they're going to be, you know, diligent about maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, there's a very high likelihood of this coming back. And uh, there's already some evidence that in places that have loosened up, that it is coming back. Mm-hmm. So if that does, that will just increase the fear factor again, and and keep people home, like right? keep them from. From gathering in places, so and then you've got big swaths of the economy that are not coming back anytime soon, even with your reopening. I mean, nobody's going to a conference, right? I mean, the conference business is dead. Uh, airlines, nobody wants to get on a plane and breathe that air, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting next to somebody who might be infected. Um, you know, there's been some crazy stuff about cruise ships, you know, but there, are people are jumping on cruise ships for $30 a night packages. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they've reserved them anyway. I don't know. I don't know when these are actually going to take place. August
0: 1st is what I've heard is, is that they're 1st. taking bookings for it. It's just crazy. To so me. they're
1: taking bookings at crazy discounts. Yeah. Right? So even if that business is back up and running, I mean, I don't know how big a discount that is, but I, I suspect 30 bucks a night is probably pretty significant discount. Oh right? yeah.
0: I, I'm a pretty active cruiser. I mean, and a good discount on a decent cruise line used to be 90 to a hundred dollars a day. So a $30 uh-huh. a night stay is Pretty crazy.
1: That's like a seventy-five percent discount. Right? Oh or yeah, more. Oh
0: no more. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, so yeah. So I mean, so even if people, if the business is up and running, you know, they're not bringing in the same kind of revenue. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I think saying like, "Hey, multi." Oh, and then the last thing is that the additional six hundred bucks that people get with their unemployment from the federal government, currently, anyways, will run out on July thirty-first. Correct. Right. So. Unless that's extended, then I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of long-term unemployed mm-hmm. people who yeah. are just drawing their regular unemployment benefits, and that's going to impact uh, everything, right? So I think this is a long-winded way of saying that we the collections have been good so far, but it's too early to for me. Mm-hmm. to make a definitive statement about what this means. I think mm-hmm. multifamily owners have been very fortunate so far. And, yes. and, and that's great. Uh, whether you can draw any long-term conclusions from that remains to be seen. And I think that's what you're seeing in the multifamily market right now, mm-hmm. where I think we talked about last week about the fact that the prices had already dropped about 12% a yeah. month. And the, and the reason for that is because people just don't know what to underwrite. So buyers are very, very wary about what they're buying. Uh, you know, it, it's funny, somebody today sent me a deal as kind of like a, hey, look what's going on kind of thing, mm-hmm. a, a, um, a student housing deal in California that they were offering at an eight cap, which is, you know, if you have been following that market at all, that's a, that's a very good cap rate. I mean, you haven't seen eight caps in a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I wrote back and said, I think it's too expensive at an mm-hmm. eight cap because we don't know if the students are even going to be there in the fall. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's that's a seller trying to get out ahead of this and hopefully, you know, find a buyer who thinks like, oh, we're going to snap right back to normal as soon as they open up business. I'm going to buy this thing at a discount mm-hmm. and they're, they're really going to be catching a falling knife. But I think, you know, something like that, I, I think a lot of people are, are scratching their heads and going, yeah, maybe I'd buy it at a 20 cap, you know, ah. because I got to build in so much of a, you know, I'd be willing to take that bet but yeah. uh, but an eight cap is just not enough cushion
0: yeah so so do me a favor jonathan just uh, and if you want to give me rough numbers go ahead so at an eight cap the list price was i don't know it was, what
1: 20, it was. It was a 20 million dollar deal
0: okay so 20 million bucks so uh, yeah. i can't do the math quickly in my head what is the value at a 20 cap is it oh gosh I,
1: well i have to know what the nli was so if it's a 20 million dollar deal i mean it could just figure this out yeah
0: just, just back into it right
1: if, if it's if it's uh so twenty million dollars. Sorry, another zero. Yeah, you can get to the um, NOI and then Yeah, sorry, I did that backwards twenty.
0: Okay. I'm thinking it's like, gosh, I'm like seven and a half million, eight million, just trying to do it in my head.
1: Yeah, let's so the NOI is one point six million on that. And okay. then if you if you do that at a twenty cap, you're talking about an eight million dollar deal. Yeah, when I was I close. That, yeah. 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 So so it's um yeah, it's just it's just it which isn't gonna happen. Like that deal's not gonna trade for a million dollars. but it might go into foreclosure if they No, you know, exactly. That's
0: yes, yeah. exactly. This is what I want to yeah. talk about because again, we're in that lack of price discovery. And at yeah. some point you're willing to take a bet. It's just not at an eight cap, but you might at yeah. a twenty. And now there yeah. may be someone between you that says, Okay, I'll try at fifteen, but that's the whole art of price discovery, right? Yeah where are we in this thing? Cause the seller only needs one yes answer. Right. It's not like, right. You know, stocks and all that. So that's, that is, um, wow. I think there's a lot of that going on right now. Lack of price discovery and in, in, in all out that, that. Yeah.
1: All. It's just, you just don't, it's very difficult to figure out what on earth you're going to underwrite mm-hmm. at, at the moment. Right. So, um, it makes it almost, and that's why prices have dropped so precipitously because nobody really knows what's going on and it's going to be, so I think what's going to happen is that, you know, the, there's, there are always people who, you know, there are always people who buy in any market, right? It doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to make money, right? There are always people, there are definitely people I know, they're in my Facebook group who are absolutely convinced that like, Buy the dip, like buy right now because it's going it's going right back up. And, oh my gosh. And and like, the, and they really, they really are convinced that that's that's yeah. true, and uh, nothing will change their minds other than a really bad experience doing exactly that. Well, pain is so, a great teacher. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and and look, they could get lucky. I mean, they could be right, but I don't think that. I don't think most people are. No, are the risk, that.
0: the risk reward profile is not in their favor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, it's really it it's just too early to tell, which is why everybody's kind of you know got sitting on their hands. So yeah. um, we had I can't we now we talked about so much can't remember if we talked about the loan originations yet. No, go for it. Yeah, no, we have not But yeah, so the um because this is a nice sort of segue into that the so the mortgage originations data just came out for the first quarter,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, through the first quarter. Um multifamily loan originations are actually up 15% mm. year over year as compared to last quarter, or last same quarter last year. Okay. Now again though, we've got uh, the, the shutdowns really didn't start until the middle of March. Right. So that includes all the deals that closed before that, plus anything that went into contract around that time, mm-hmm. right? So there were still deals going into contract and getting closed throughout the quarter. Yeah. I think the second quarter is really going to be where we're going to see what's happened to the market, where, where buyers are at because, yeah. uh, and, and my suspicion is there's going to be a, a huge drop off oh, for, for this very reason, because like people, a cliff. Just, yeah, like people just don't know mm-hmm. what anything is worth right now. And they're not willing to take the risk. And they're certainly not going to pay, you know, January 2020 pricing
2: mm-hmm.
1: on these deals. Yeah. Uh, so um yeah, it's gonna that'll be a big data point. It'll tell us sort of where the market's headed. Yeah, at. and, and it's, frankly, it's, lenders
0: uh, lenders are forced that to happen, right? Even if the buyers were uber bullish, the lenders came out in late, late March, early April and changed the game, right? Kicked the Apple cart over.
1: Oh yeah. I mean they they really changed things by Requiring these huge escrows at closing, so mm-hmm. you know, first first year's debt service plus all the other escrows that you usually are paying. I mean, you know, usually you're escrowing a couple of months of various expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sort of like your property taxes and your you know your things like pay. You've paid your first year's insurance bill, but then you've also escrowed so the first two months of mm-hmm. of, of 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 the of the next year's bill, right? Mm-hmm. And so. But all of that stuff now they want escrowed on day one, wow. right? So, so that's a huge additional amount of capital that you have to raise. And even though what they're saying is after a year, if everything is fine, you, you will get it all back. Uh, you've got to raise all that additional money from, from your investors. It's, it definitely hits the return, at mm-hmm. least for the first year, but, but potentially for much longer than that, because if you don't get the money back, after that first year, then it's gonna to continue to hit the return. Mm-hmm. So that changes what you're willing to pay for a property. You know, There were a lot of people who were in the unfortunate situation where the goalpost got moved while they were under contract, and they, had, they couldn't do anything about it.
2: Yeah. But,
1: um, and I know people were able to, I know some people were able to negotiate some small discounts, but really not, uh, you know, the discounts I've seen people negotiating are not even as big as what green street advisors reports as the yeah. price drop. Right? right. So, um, so a lot of people, you know, were, were really caught. Uh, I don't want to say with the pants down because they weren't doing anything wrong. Right. This yeah. is just, this is just a really unfortunate thing that yeah. came out of nowhere. bigger,
0: faster than we anything we've ever seen yeah. in a hundred years. So, yeah. yeah. So the thing that, the thing that catches me about this trend is obviously I came into this, you know, um, thinking multi-family, single families. And right now I've been pleasantly surprised both in rent collection, which for us is May is actually ahead of April for us. We're already at 94%. We were at like, I think it was 88% on the 13th. I only have data through the 13th, obviously. Um, so we're ahead of the game. I think you're right. Most of that's tax refund from April, unemployment benefits, you know. Um, so I think we're good there. It does get a little scary in August. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, I do think that'll get extended, especially if unemployment stays sticky above 15%. So we'll see. But what really is interesting to me now is office and retail, big, strong um, tenants are already starting to renegotiate with their landlords. And then their Mm -hmm. landlords are stuck with debt that was priced at a different time. And I'm actually seeing more pain faster in the retail and office space than I had expected. And that's probably because I'm naive and I don't play in that space. But really where I'm going to this is the second order, which is, oh my God, what happens to the big banks who have all this debt if office and retail default? And where I'm going with this is, does that ripple into the residential and multifamily market as kind of a second derivative? Because- if banks can go and solve it for lots of reasons <laughs> and I'm wondering if it's going to be, God, who is levered up to New York and San Francisco real estate meaning office and who's got all those freaking re- those big mall loans. Cause I need to figure that out because that could be a problem, you know, two, three steps down the chessboard for my residential
2: stuff.
1: Yeah. I, well, I, I think that there's one sort of positive thing. I think about those sectors is that, they tend not to get as much leverage. Ah, that's true. As, 60%? As yeah, 60, maybe 65 tops. Okay. Right, for those kind of uh those kind of properties, right? Especially, mm-hmm. especially if especially you're talking about like the class, you know, the class A, high class B mm-hmm. office stuff. Okay, so they are not good. they're not leveraging it at 75, 80% like multifamily. They can't they can't get because the risk is higher, right? The risk of a recession is mm-hmm. is always you, you know you, they they've got fewer tenants to Spread that cost that cost across. Okay. So I think they're they're That's not able news. to get as much leverage. That that would that would help them. But but aside from that, but I do agree. I mean, I think there are going to be some ripple effects from this. If you know these landlords really start either having to take haircuts or just having like their tenants go out of business completely, and they can't fill that space again, uh, you know where they how they pay their mortgages, and if they don't, if they start defaulting then, you know, it's the same pool of money from the banks that exactly. is lending on multifamily. If they have to call, you know, if they've got callable loans, they're gonna call them uh, because they have capital requirements they ha- you know, they have uh, li- liquidity requirements that they have to maintain. Yep. So if they fall below their their threshold, you know, they, uh, they're, they're in big trouble with the regulators. So they have, they might have to call loans. And, whether they call, they might not be able to call them from multifamily, but you know, maybe they're going to be calling them from businesses, right? Exactly. Or they're going to be calling them from, you know, other kinds of commercial properties where the loans are callable or construction loans or, or
0: REITs or, I mean, yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah. What and have you? So that's, will, that we'll, is we'll my concern
0: ahead. that, that, that daisy chain to, scares me because again, I think both office and retail in most Metro areas are going to suffer vacancies from non-payers, meaning retailers went out of business and tenants closed shop. Their strong tenants, the Starbucks and the Chipotle, are already talking about renegotiating leases down.
1: Yeah. Well, so then they're like, ah. So, I mean, look, they, uh, J.P. Morgan, Barclays, and one other bank, I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe it was Citibank, uh, in New York just said they are going to just let their employees continue working from home. Oh, And. God. So uh, like indefinitely. So they are going to require less space. Yeah. As soon as they can renegotiate those leases, um, they're going to require less space. That is going to, and it's not like there's going to be a line of people behind them to take up the space. Exactly. WeWork today, or it was announced today, that WeWork is trying to sublease its headquarters in New York. And now WeWork is at all kinds of trouble, but this really exposes WeWork and we work as the single biggest tenant in New York City.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And probably several other cities as well. Oh, for sure. Now, now of course, it's a huge market. So even if we work as the single biggest tenant, it probably doesn't even hit 1% of the office space in New York. But still, you go out, a big tenant like that, that causes a lot of individual pain at the buildings where they are renting, right? So, yeah. and where they, I mean, they're built like the building across the street from where my office is is basically, it's like a nine story building. It's all WeWork, the whole thing is WeWork. So if that oh, wow. WeWork, now it was packed full, but I know a lot of people ever since WeWork got into trouble have been like leaving, they feel it's un- uncertain and unstable, they don't know what's gonna happen. The WeWork employees are all disgruntled because they've been treated terribly. And they're they're just, a lot of WeWork employees are just like phoning it in
2: mm-hmm. at this
1: point. Nobody's making an effort to do anything. So uh, that business is deteriorating really fast and that's going to have a big effect. So like if that, if that we work across the street from my office goes kablooey, that, you know, it's all gone. That's a Kushner yeah. building, by the way. So
2: ah.
1: uh, it's like, you know, that whole tenant is yeah done gone, right. Yeah. So that whole building.
0: Yeah. So again, we work just to close on uh, in San Francisco. Uh, that was where I think their corporate headquarters is it might be New York. But anyways, they have a building in San Francisco with a $240 million loan on it. That is wow. currently trading at 73 cents on the dollar. Right. I did the math. It's like $165 million value. Wow. So uh, this is what this is. This is that, that article, which I think I read Tuesday was kind of what got me thinking about how does this all ripple? Because there's somebody who has that $240 million note that now thinks it's only worth 165 or 168 yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, geez,
1: this. Well, listen, that's, that's, that's why the idea that like, we're going to reopen for business and everything is going to be fine. is just, it's just a bad assumption for people to be making. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to like spread doom and gloom. I'm just no. trying to be realistic about the situation. And there, there is going to be, there are going to be a, the, the ripple effects of this are going to be felt for for quite a while. Even if even if things were just to go back to normal tomorrow, I think that there's been a number of changes in consumer behavior and uh, and and people's habits exactly. that are, that are going that will have an effect on the economy and take a while for things to get sorted out. You know. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, like you know, I, so I, I wouldn't buy most multifamily anywhere right now, but I'll tell you one thing I would consider if it came Hmm. up, if you showed me a building that was like, on the same block as an Amazon distribution center.
2: There you go, yeah.
1: Right, I would would be willing to take that risk. You know, I still wouldn't pay, I wouldn't pay 2020, you know, January 2020 pricing for it, but I wouldn't feel the need to have as big a discount on that property. Correct. uh, because i think that that's going to be fine for a while and also so many people have gotten in the habit of just ordering i mean everybody was in the habit of ordering everything from amazon before but i think that it's even more so now yeah. that people that people are, are are and that that could become a permanent you know change and especially if the coronavirus continues to kind of linger on then people are going to say why am i going to take a risk yeah. why am i going to, why am i going to take a risk at going to the supermarket yep If, you know, if, if, if if that's how they feel like, I mean, some people don't care, Mm. but there's enough people who do care. Yeah. Well, I'll
2: tell you a
0: real life scenario. I don't care. I mean, if I'm, if I go out, I'll wear a mask and you know, I'll I'll roll the dice, but my wife, she's freaked out. I mean, she hasn't let, I mean, she's left the house twice in 45 days. So where I'm going with this is I was always too cheap to use Instacart. Yeah. But I haven't been to a grocery store in 45 days. That's all I use now because my right i love my wife and i care for her and if she's nervous i have to i have to be cautious so i mean i don't know they will ever go to a grocery store again
1: yeah so I, I, have, I have i have friends for our college classmates a part of we have a big facebook group for my college class mm-hmm. there are, there are people in my college class who have not left their homes since coronavirus hit Wow. I mean, I, like, I think it's, in. I, personally, I think that's nuts. I think you've got to get outside yeah. and just. Sunlight's just,
0: good for you. Vitamin D is yeah, good for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, just be, just be safe about it, right? I mean, yeah. and I think people are being respectful, but uh, at least around here they are. I mean, everybody's like, you know, you walk down the street, and people are like, you know, making, they're like yeah. walking to the edge of the sidewalk, <laughs> staying away from each other. And people are be fine about it. But I mean, but, they're, but they're, there are definitely people like that who have changed their behavior permanently. Yeah, yeah or maybe not permanently, but, I mean, they have not left their homes. And they, the, the effect of that is that they will those people will probably continue to be nervous until there's a vaccine. Yep. And, the, and so their behavior is going to be permanently altered. And if, you know, if, they, if their spending has shifted from, you know, the store down the block where they used to buy stuff to some Amazon distribution center in I don't even know where the nearest one is – uh, that has, it's essentially like a transfer of wealth mm-hmm. from that s- corner store owner to Jeff Bezos, right? Yes, correct. So, um, and that corner store owner and their employees are all, you know, unless they can go get jobs at Amazon,
2: yeah.
1: they're, uh, you know, in a bad place. So that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, even if there is no, uh, and, and there will be, but I'm just saying uh, just as a, a thought mm-hmm. example, like, even if there is no, thought experiment even if there was no overall decline in economic activity there is a shift that's mm-hmm. happening in where in terms of where the economic activity is going mm-hmm. and it is going from the small businesses yep. to the online yeah online yeah online or you know even the you know the big supermarkets that are capable of uh you know implementing better screening measures and curbside pick up and like all these things that they can do. You know, it took our local supermarket, we, we shopped either at a local supermarket or at this brand new Wegmans that just opened in, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And the you know, Wegmans, you know, from, from day one, they had like a system and you could see like, you know, you're waiting outside, they bring the carts down, they wiped all the carts down in like basically in front of you, right, you saw them getting all cleaned. When you walked in, they had all this cleaning stuff that you could use, they were spacing people out. Like they had They had like a really efficient like system down to make you reassured that they were taking care of business. The mm-hmm. local place, like it was all like whatever until like two weeks ago. So it took wow. them a month, it took them like a month to get any kind of like protocol in place. And I think it's because they, they, they finally did it because they probably were losing a lot of business. Because Absolutely. Like, I don't feel safe going to this place because they're yeah. just, letting anybody in you know whatever so uh i think the big businesses were for the most part better equipped to handle that stuff yeah and so you've got this shift of you know
2: yeah
0: the, another trend that i'm seeing if we go back to residential um I, and again this is all early data it's only april data and it's obviously i think skewed because of the source right you have data coming out of zillow and redfin talking about searches for properties sort of in smaller towns you know, yep. and the theory they're putting out there is the great exodus from San Francisco and New York kind of inland, right? Um, right. You know, it's, I don't think it's a long enough trend. And, and obviously, a trend is nothing without transactions. But it's interesting to see, again, I do think there will be a noticeable trend of people going from apartments to houses. I think that is something that is certain. I think, um, especially if a second wave comes, because sheltering in place in an apartment is difficult or less yeah. convenient. That backyard is something. So I think that is legit. The other thing I'm seeing is, um, in my market specifically, is you know my median, let's just call it 250. In a normal market, so call it February, uh, there'd be 75 to 100 listings below 200K of all conditions, anything from mm-hmm. fire burn to just 1950s mom never touched, right? So just fix fixer upper stuff. Right. So what we just saw last Saturday when I had an agent on the line is there was nine. Nine listings. So, and like four of them were fire burns, right? Those are must sales, right? You always kind of list those. But it's just interesting to see how it seems to be that sellers contracted more than buyers. Because when I call agents on listings, there's still you know multiple offers. But I am. I just saw a number today uh, for the Bay Area that talked about listings are down roughly thirty percent, pending's are down, transactions are down, and they're just they're forecasting a big wave of listings when the state opens up at the end of may, but I, I don't know. I just, I just think there's another shoe to drop in residential and I'm not sure if it's going to be a buying wave or a selling wave. It, then you have all this forbearance stuff. It's just like, God, it's, it's so muddy and confusing. I don't know if you have looked at that at all.
1: Well, I mean, I, I just, I'm always looking at, uh, like truly every day okay. because I, I'm always I'm always going to have half a, and I looking for a house around here, yeah, and, and a and a house upstate. And I so I, there's a bunch of markets I follow and just see what's going on there. And you know, I've noticed there have been a few transactions recently, but there definitely like a lot of price cuts and not a lot of new inventory coming in the market. Like I'm not getting yeah, new the supply inventory is like- yeah, there's very little. Because I think everybody is taking, I mean, on the one hand, I think people are like, I, what, I, I don't want to hold an open house right yeah, now. Exactly. Um, but but then they're also thinking, I think strategically, like, hey, there's not, I'm not going to get a lot of offers right now. So I'm just going to hold back to get, you know, to try to get a higher price. Now, of yeah. course, if everybody's thinking the same thing, and then they all list their properties in July, yeah. which is typically not a good selling time anyway. Anyway, yeah. Um then you're going to have a glut of property on the market and then who knows what like is, is going to happen Mm -hmm. at that point. So, uh, you know, then it's like advantage, you know, present renter who has cash to buy as opposed to someone like me, who's got to sell a house to buy a house. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, so then, then what happens to the whole narrative of like everyone's going to leave New York city, right. If suddenly people who were, um, who were on the sideline because of price, who just couldn't afford anything, suddenly are gifted like an enormous amount of inventory and a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff gets cheaper. Then suddenly yeah. it's like, hey, maybe I'll stay. Maybe I'll stay. Right. So again, too early to tell where anything is going. Except, I think most likely down to some extent which yeah. we can't yet tell. Right?
2: Yeah, it's,
0: it's just interesting. And I hear people, again, I've been looking at my market for almost 20 years, and it really annoys me when people are making declarations after a month of data in probably the noisiest, least consistent market. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm trying to figure out, I'd love your opinion on, is interest rates. Right, Historically speaking, and I don't know that these are historic times, but historically speaking, interest rates go down in a recession. And they stay down until we've seen a noticeable, like two or three quarters uptick out of the recession, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know if that happens this time. I don't know that we get a 30-year mortgage consistently with a two on it. I just think the risk, I think coming out of this, the risk premium that gets added from all banks is higher. I'm thinking we're going to have 55 to 6.5% interest rates by January or February. And that just feels uncomfortable to say, into a market that is probably already struggling with price because listings swarm in and demand is scared because unemployment's at 20%. And then if you'd later on an interest rate, that's at six instead of three and a half, what happens? So I'm curious what you think about interest rates. Am I, am I thinking too far ahead into, yeah, so I
1: guess, Well, I guess what you're talking about is the spreads, right? Because yeah. the banks are going to be borrowing the money from the fed. Absolutely. At, Nothing. At z- at zero. Yeah. 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 It's, the so spread. it's the spread. And, and I, I don't know, but I think, but I, I don't disagree with you. Let's put it that way. I think, I think there's something to that because I I, certainly in like the, the multifamily, you know, we've already seen this in multifamily where the, you know, the spreads have gotten bigger because of that inability to price. Yeah. Risk. You know, the risk, the risk appropriately. I think in the single family home market, you know, they're underwriting the, owner, you know, mm-hmm. more, right. It's, and their ability to pay. So I think it's going to, I think what may happen, you know, maybe both of these things will happen, but I think, you know, the lending standards are going to get stricter, right. They're going to look for people with better credit. Mm-hmm. They've already started doing this better credit who can put more of a down payment down, you know, and uh, have a more secure kind of job. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that just may limit the number of buyers who are qualified to, to buy. And that will yeah. affect the pricing a lot, right? Yeah, so in, yeah. in, independent of the interest rate, which might also come up, but I, you know, I could see the banks possibly saying, okay, this person's a good risk. So mm-hmm. the spread is not going to be as well, high. Well, let's, let's
0: tie this conversation with where we started this one. If again, we remember that the comer- their loans for office and retail are hurting and they're calling yeah. them and they're taking huge discounts and then they have the residential and or multifamily side I'm just guessing they're going to have to raise the, the spread to help pay for the bad debt from earlier on yeah. top of that. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's just it, I, I'm nervous about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there'll be some balancing act, right? Because if they raise the spreads too much, they won't be able to do a lot of loans. But if they don't raise them enough, they won't make enough income, right? right. I mean, I think, I, think, you know, I think all of us are going to be paying a lot more money on our checking accounts too, right? I mean, yeah. and, and we're going to start seeing a lot of like, weird bank fees popping up. For Sure, they um, got to make it up somewhere, and, yeah. And you know, credit card fees and every other kind of thing to think of to, to charge you for, um, you're, you're going to get charged for, so mm-hmm. and, and that has an impact on the economy, too. I mean, that, t- that sure. takes money out of your pocket that you can't, sp- you know, now you can't spend it, uh, you know, buying Cheetos or whatever it was yeah. you were going to buy with them, right? So, exactly, yeah, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting week. I'm really looking forward to kind of when more April data comes out and really May for, for, for yeah. uh, multifamily because I think May is when you're going to see the first drop. Q2 is when you're going to see it, but I think May specifically is going to be the month because some April stuff would have been tra- you know transacted pre-COVID and may have already been too late to stop, but
1: it's, yeah. it's
0: going to be interesting.
1: I mean, I think, you know, so right now, as we've said, like the, the, the rent collections trend yeah, through this part of the month is good. Yeah, but it's the back end of the month that's the problem, right? I mean, those are Agreed. your chronic, your chronic late payers. Yeah, right. That's like you know, you're hoping to get, you're hoping to catch up with those people, but the people, you know, the people who have the money, are going to p- pay right up front, and the people who are always the the consistent strong payers, like mm-hmm. no matter what, like they they've already paid. Correct. Um, it's it's the other people now that were. That we're into, and I think the second half of the month is going to be telling. And I, I think that if we, you know, there'll be a great collective sigh of relief if it continues to be strong through the rest of the month, and and probably and probably even some, you know, uh, some folks going out there and seeing saying stuff like, "See nothing can ever side, you know, oh, sidetrack me." That my, my is going to happen. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's going to happen. But if if the collections slide, I think there's going to be like some serious panic and the market's going to get very disruptive. I think it'll, it'll really enter not a free fall, but I mean, you're going to see the yeah. declines that have happened so far will be locked in and, uh, and, and continue. So yeah. we shall very, see.
0: very, very cool. Jonathan's is always fun. I always love talking to you. It's one of the favorite parts of my week, man. Thank you very much.
1: You too. I will see you next week.
2: You got it. Take care.